Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you, wherever you are today. Hope it's payday for you, for some of you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners, today should be. So hopefully you've got the resources to get out and go do some fun things this weekend, or perhaps just kind of stay home. Maybe you can watch some movies on demand, the new Bill and Ted movies out. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard good things. Uh, I enjoyed the first two uh, tremendously. Turned my kids on to Bill and Ted 2 years ago. So I need to watch Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music. And again, listen, I get it. It's not uh, Gone with the Wind. A lot of sophomoric humor there. But um, in this day and age of seriousness, it's nice to have something to kind of laugh about. So what's one of the reasons I watch Seinfeld every day? I like to have something a little bit silly to get my mind off all of the heaviness that is in today's world. So I hope that you're able to do that, too, even if you don't watch Bill and Ted. Maybe you watch something else. But there a lot of football coming up, and that's the cool thing, too. Like last night, I watched uh, Bengals and Browns, most of that. I'm an AFC North fan, not because I like them, but because I like uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as you guys are well aware. Pittsburgh Steelers, the most prestigious team in all of uh, professional sport. Maybe, maybe you can make the argument for the New York Yankees. But Pittsburgh Steelers, we've... Um, We've won the most Super Bowls, I guess us and the Patriots, but New England is new money. Once Bill Check leaves, they'll uh, they'll go back to being the Colts. So that's where we are today. And again, I hope that you guys have get out and do some fun stuff. It's cool out there, so a lot of that honeydew stuff you've been putting off. Let me encourage you. This is really the last weekend you're going to be able to get that honeydew list together. All that edging and work around the house you've kind of been putting off. And hopefully you've been way ahead of the game because of the quarantine. But uh, be that as it may, next weekend is SEC football. The last thing you're going to want to do next weekend is have to get out there and work in the yard. So go ahead and get all that stuff done this weekend. Go ahead and make the wife happy because she wants to watch football with you next weekend too. But she also didn't want to be resentful because you didn't take care of all the things that you were supposed to. So... I got a couple of things I need to take care of this weekend, including some writing. I keep teasing you guys about some flim flam stuff, and I will have some news very, very, very soon on that. But uh, there is some uh, some flim flam news on the way. A couple things, as a matter of fact. Teased it a little bit on the show, talked a little bit about it on the Facebook Live thing, and mentioned it over on Gene's page. There is some national interest in flim flam, some renewed interest in the story. So we'll have some things to talk about sooner rather than later. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company for sponsoring the show, Bulldog Burger Company, uh, the home for great restaurant-quality hamburgers right here in the Golden Triangle. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't have the spring rolls when you go in there. Again, I had some friends tell me, hey, listen, I didn't see the spring rolls. Well, they're appetizers. You know, you can get them as an entree. I kind of jokingly called that the Nemeth. Mike Nemeth will get an order of spring rolls and a side of french fries and just, I mean, just carb load like you've never seen. You can do that, but I, I think it's best when you got three or four friends, you know, maybe you sit down and you have, everybody has a spring roll apiece just to kind of get you going. And then you, you look at that burger menu and you begin to realize, you know what, this is something a little more than I'm used to. If you want just a good straight ahead rock and roll hamburger, I mean, just a traditional restaurant quality burger, go with the Bulldog. You can't go wrong with just going with the Bulldog. But if you want to get out there and uh, live life on the edge a little bit, let me encourage you to get a little more adventurous. 
have the pimentology add bacon, have the smokehouse, maybe even try the freshman 15. We hadn't talked about that one in a long time. I have had them all, and you should too. Go check them out. Bulldog Burger Company right here in Starkville, and they're in Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so we had a chance to visit with Mike Leach last night. There will be no scrimmage this Saturday. It's kind of a, a glorified walkthrough. What they're going to do on Saturday uh, is they're going to kind of have, uh, okay, kind of a walkthrough of game day prep. So we're going to show up at the stadium. This is where we go. This is how we do it. We do the dog walk. We walk across the field, and and then we um, go get taped here. This is where your locker room, game day locker room is. So all that stuff's going to happen tomorrow. Because next weekend, we're going to be on the road. We're going to be in Baton Rouge getting ready to play a football game. How about that? A lot of people out there didn't think that day was going to come. A lot of people gleefully reported that it wasn't going to come, but it is. But that's what's going to happen this weekend. They'll get out there and practice a little bit, but it's not going to be a real scrimmage because here, you know, basically here we are. The two deep is pretty much set. You know, there are a few things out there that will probably get into uh, next week. But next week's not going to be about position battles. Next week is going to be about the LSU Tigers. So we're working through that, and then this weekend we'll have kind of a dress rehearsal of sorts, and then we'll, um, we'll get an LSU. And Leach told us last night that they've been working on LSU all week. We've already kind of put some guys on the scout team, kind of had those meetings and decisions. And so the scout team is kind of running LSU's offense and defense to kind of prepare your Bulldogs for what they'll face next week in Tiger Stadium. So here are some of the highlights of what Leach spoke about last night. You know, it's one of the things people always ask, okay, so LSU, and this is one of the things I think the casual football fan forgets. LSU may have had the worst offseason in the history of college football. They had one of the greatest seasons in the history of the game last year, but it has been incredible to see what's happened. That's what happens when you win big. You know, other people want to win big and say, hey, let's go get some of that magic dust they got down there uh, at LSU. Doesn't always work out that way. Just ask Kansas. But, uh, but be that as it may, they have had a real upheaval when it's come to personnel and coaching. You know, they lost David Randa to Baylor. Joe uh, Brady heads to Carolina. I don't know if you know this. Mississippi State interviewed Joe Brady for the head coaching job here. It's a true story. Just, I mean, at this point, he's just not proven. You really only got the one year. That would have been a big risk. I mean, that's the thing, too. A lot of people were critical about, uh, you know, Joe Judge being a, major, a majority candidate, you know, being a guy that uh, was really – almost your head coach and people are saying oh you know he's never been a coach even though he's been a Belichick assistant for eight years just imagine a criticism of state had hired Joe Brady John Cohen just couldn't pull trigger on that I don't blame him but Joe Brady is going to be a head coach at some point but uh, but he's gone and that's the thing too you know you read the LSU media you know the homers down there and so we have Ensminger's offensive coordinator that's entitled only let's be honest Joe Brady was the straw that stirred the drink and then you had Joe Burrow a number one draft pick and Heisman uh, trophy winner and so it was the perfect storm for LSU well now all of that's gone and what's LSU down to what seven returning starters now seven or eight it's incredible to think about brand new defensive scheme brand new offensive scheme yeah they'll run some elements of what they ran last year but uh, when you don't have the guy that ran the show running the show it's just different you know what I'm saying I mean it's it's just like it's kind of like in music, man. When you, you know, when you see a singer leave and they go, they hire some singer for hire. It's just not the same. And when you lose the voice in the band, you know everything changes. I mean, I guess you know 
ACDC and Van Halen are like some of the only bands that ever pull it off. But uh, there are tons of bands out there that get rid of singers. I mean, Skid Row is a good example. In their heyday, Sebastian Bach's a singer. Uh, they go out and hire Johnny Solinger and Tony Harnell and other people and, and never can recapture the magic. LSU is going to be the Skid Row. They're going to have some talented players, but they're not going to have their voice. They're not going to have their front man. That's what they've lost in Jill Brady. You never thought you'd hear me compare Skid Row to LSU, but there we are. But there is the element of surprise because you don't really know what they're going to run defensively. You don't really know what they want to run offensively. They're going to change some things up. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think the people making the play calls today are as skilled as they were a year ago. I think Dave Aranda's one of those guys, too. Ed Orgeron's kind of taking some shots. He made a comment immediately earlier this week that they're better on defense. I, I don't believe that. You don't lose the personnel that they lost and implement a new scheme and get better on defense. You don't lose first-round draft picks and get better on defense. That's just not how life works. And, yes, I understand that LSU was a top-10 recruiter, so there, there's some horses behind them. They just don't have the same level of experience. And so that's going to be interesting. So Mike was asked about that last night. You know, Coach, does it make it more difficult? And here was his response. You know, it's kind of tough. You scramble for film. I've been with teams that have played Coach Pelini twice. That's Bo Pelini. He's defensive coordinator at LSU. Uh, he's in the middle of the defense there. You try to look at the film and you look at personnel in the team and they have some new faces coupled with a the scheme they want to go with. It's kind of a hodgepodge in that way. And so here's the thing that, uh, that you'll learn is you go back and you look at film that Pelini had when he was defensive coordinator and he's a guy that's been around for a while. You know, Bo Pelini was a guy that, uh, you know, I don't know that he's as famous as the faux Pelini Twitter account, but, uh, you know, Bo Pelini was in Nebraska and they, they had some good defenses there. And so when you get to this point of your career, you kind of are who you are. It's not like Bo Pelini's all of a sudden going to decide, uh, you know, to break habit and start doing things, you know, brand new. Especially when you've got relatively new personnel down there, you're implementing a new scheme. You, you go with what you know. You don't reinvent the wheel and get out there and try to change things up. You go out there and stick with your bread and butter. And that's what I think that Mike Leach is talking about. You go cobble this film package together, what Bo Pelini's done in the past, and say, okay, this is what his tendencies are on third down and long. He likes to blitz from this position. He likes to do that. And so they're working through that. And, of course, having a scout team kind of run those concepts. And we'll see how it works. I do think in many ways that LSU uh, is going to be a good team and, and will probably, you know, go, what, 7-3 and three this year? 6-4, and four, worst-case scenario. Uh, they're going to be a winning team. But if you have to play them, and we have to play them because they're in the SEC West, I think I'd want to play them first. I've said that on the show before, and I mean that. I think, you know what, our best chance to beat OSU is to play them first. Now, if we were coming off, you know, a year where we had you know, an incumbent starter coming back at quarterback and we had you know, that 2018 defense, then I might pick us to win the ball game. But this is going to be a competitive game. And one of the reasons that I believe it's going to be a competitive game is because of the mental aspect of things. I believe that Mike Leach has our guys believing that's one of the things you go back and think about, you know, kind of the casualties of the quarantine when it comes to football. Mississippi State didn't get a chance to build rapport with players. And I think Stuart Reese was probably going to leave regardless, okay? Fabian Lovett was going to leave regardless. I don't care what else you've been told or what, you know, what was put on social media. Fabian Lovett was not going to be a member of the Mississippi State football team this year. 
wasn't going to happen. Wish him the best. Hope he does well. Florida State. Would love to play them in a bowl game. Um, and then Jerry and Jones was leaving. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of things involved with that. That was not one of those deals like, um, you know, Fabian, where it was pretty much a certainty he wasn't going to be back. Uh, there's a lot to that and uh, a lot left to talk about when it comes to all that stuff. But uh, be that as it may, your coaches were able to talk to players over Zoom and on phone calls. And listen, there's only so much of a relationship you can build online. Yeah, you can FaceTime, you can have, you know, teleconferences and that sort of stuff. But, you know, what do you do, you know, when regular life happens? You know, it's easy when you know you've got, okay, we got a 30-minute conference call today. You're going to put your best foot forward. But you, when you're not around the complex and you see a guy walking in with this mopey look on his face, you say, hey, what's going on? Come to the office and sit down and talk a little bit. What's going on? Oh, well, you know, I, I failed the test or my girlfriend broke up with me or having trouble with this or having trouble with that or trouble at home. You know, when you're in the same room and you interact with each other every day, you kind of pick up on the nuances of what's going on in people's lives. You don't get to do that on a Zoom call because people aren't going to get on there around their peers and say, hey, coach, my girlfriend broke up with me. It's not how life works. And so, yeah, you, you get some know-how. You get some nuts and bolts of what we're going to run offensively. You get a few jokes and that sort of stuff. But you're really not building a relationship. And uh, I think about so many of you that uh, are you're kind of dating in the Internet age. And, and um, you know, here's the deal. You know, I think we all knew pretty early. I, I guess I'm an old guy now. I, I don't act it. I don't look it. But uh, I guess I am getting old. But, uh, you know, that's the deal. I always felt like, you know what, if I could if I could ever get one-on-one, I, I could kind of talk them into liking me because I was pretty charming. But a lot of it, too, is just figuring out if you have some chemistry, figuring out if you, you know, get in the same room, get in the same vehicle, and go to dinner and go to the movies and that sort of stuff, and you figure out if you can get along. It's very similar to what's going on with your coaching staff. Well, now that everybody is able to get together and break bread together and have fun together and kind of get out there and spend some time and share some sweat and experience, well, now all of a sudden they're beginning to like each other. You'll look at what your players are talking about on social media. Every, every day, it seems, Colin Hill is talking about, you know what, these people are not ready for me in this offense. This offense is the best thing that ever happened to me. We're about to be something serious. And I even see some of our players talking trash about LSU. And some people say, well, Steve, I, don't, I really don't want to see that. I don't want to go poke the badger. You know what, I'm okay with a little bit of that. I want to see it go away next week. But, um, you know, but by and large, there seems to be a buy-in from the team. And that is a direct result of the team being around the coaches. It's a huge disadvantage. And it wasn't just Mississippi State that had to deal with that. But I think now what you're seeing is you know, a lot of these players realize, you know what, these guys are pretty good. These guys know what they're talking about. These guys are going to make me better. It's one of the things when everybody goes radio silent on social media. And we have some guys out there that are kind of social media mavens. You know, I mean, they, like any thought they have goes right to Twitter. It may ultimately be deleted, but there's always something. And listen, here's the bottom line, too. I don't know that Colin Hill has been ever been coached like this, ever. I don't think he, I don't know that he's ever had the coaching he's having now. And I am in no way suggesting he's had bad coaching. I know he played for Randall Montgomery over at Columbus, who's one of the better coaches in the state of Mississippi. I know that he played for Greg Knox here. And you, know, you remember in the beginning, about all we ever ran with Colin Hill his freshman year was inside zone. That's about all we ran with him. 
And a lot of it was because Greg and Mullen wanted to make sure that, hey, listen, let's get this concept down before we throw too much at the guy. But he played as a true freshman. You know, in the last two years, and again, you're going to think I'm being critical of Joe, and maybe I am a little bit. You know, Joe kind of coddled these guys a little bit. You know, Dan and those guys, there was a sense of accountability. There was kind of a line in the sand. It's okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Here's your role in it. I don't need you to go out here and do all these other things. I need you to do your job. Well, we've kind of gotten back to that. You know, there's nobody pulling, and I'm picking on Colin Hill, but there's nobody pulling your players aside and let's go sit in the office, let's go sit on the couch, let me put my arm around you and say, hey, are you okay? Are you having a good day? You know, what's, what's going on with you? What can I do for you? You know, now there's some of that just because of the fact that there's human interaction. But what I, what I mean by that is, is when things go awry, let's say a kid has a bad practice and that it's because of, you know, p- perhaps his own lack of execution or lack of preparation. Nobody's out there holding their hands and saying, hey, are you feeling okay? What's wrong, big guy? Come see Uncle Joe. Come sit in Uncle Joe's lap. We'll get it all figured out. And there was some of that last year. I mean, I don't know about the actual lap sitting, but metaphorically speaking, you kind of get what I'm saying is that, you know, at the end of the day, Mike Leach is being paid $5 million a year to go win us football games. I don't know that you're going to be able to do that by constantly being the friend of your players. There's a difference between being friendly and being friends. And there are some coaches that have trouble with that distinction. And so I'm the coach. You're the player. we got a partnership here, but I'm the guy that's being paid to call the plays. I'm the guy that's being paid to put the depth chart together. You know, and when we call your number, we're going to expect you to go out there and play hard for us. You know, sometimes things get a little bit skewed where sometimes the players think, okay, well, this is, this is all about me. It's not. It's all about Mississippi State. What's best for Mississippi State? And so, but I can assure you, based on some of the conversations that I've had privately with people that are, that are interacting with your players and coaches every day, is that there is a mutual respect. But there is also no question that Mike Leach is the head football coach. Mike Leach is not their friend on Facebook. Mike Leach is not their best friend on Snapchat. Mike Leach is their football coach. And that's what Mississippi State needs. And if you go look at every winning program, yeah, listen, coaches love their players. But at times you got to love them at arm's length. You, there are a lot of players out there, and it's just kind of like, you know, in the workplace too, there are some employees that want to befriend their boss, you know, because they want to be known for being a good guy or a good gal rather than being a good employee. And so, and there's, you know, there, there has to be a system, there has to be a pyramid and some hierarchy here where, where everybody kind of understands there is an Al Capitano, and that's what you're getting back to at Mississippi State. And, and I, listen, I think we're going to see some dividends right away from that, but I think in the long run when you're, when you're changing the culture, that's going to be even a, a bigger part of things. Uh, one of the things I asked Coach, too, about um, – you know, about the depth chart. You know, how close are we to kind of finalizing the depth chart? I think it's pretty close. Not perfectly close, but pretty close. There's always room for somebody to rise up and do something, expand their role somewhere else on the field, but pretty close at least for the first week. That's because we're already in LSU prep. But Coach did say, listen, everybody on our team has a function. I thought we've talked about running backs before, and he kind of touched on it again yesterday. Everybody knows Colin Hill is the bell cow of this running game. Everybody knows Colin Hill is the guy. And I understand we're going to run some two-back sets. 
Might as well get ready for that. We're going to run some two-back sets, and some of these young guys are going to be in the mix. Lee Weatherspoon, uh, Kareem Walker, of course, is a veteran guy. Uh, Kareem, obviously, not quite as skilled as, say, Colin Hill would be. But all these guys are going to have a role, whether it's be on special teams, uh, second or third team guy, but everybody is going to have a role, and they're all going to be engaged. And they're all going. To, there's nobody that's just going to sit around all day at the ball game just with a great seat uh, and just happen to be wearing official issue gear. There's not, we're not. We didn't sign these guys to be spectators, and so uh, my understanding is that Mike Leach plans to use the whole roster. Plans to use the whole roster, and, and again, some of those guys are going to be young guys that are going to be, you know, playing mop up time or that sort of stuff. And but the bottom line is, is that we signed these guys to play. We didn't sign them, unlike some other schools, just to look good on signing day at the press conference. Recruiting's about winning football games. You recruit players to help you win football games. Sometimes that gets lost, and all the recruiting coverage and that sort of stuff. People say, "Hey, we won." Well, what'd you win? Oh, well, we got this, uh, you know, this four-star kid that, that had offers from Arizona State, Notre Dame, or whatever. Okay, great. Get back to me in about three years. Then tell me if you won then, when you've had to run that kid off because he turns out to be a bad actor, or he's a guy that was overrated, or he's a guy that claimed a bunch of offers he didn't have. You know, recruiting is a huge component to everything. But the developmental, the development of that talent is equally, if not of in greater importance, than recruiting. And Dan Mullen proved that here at Mississippi State. Dan could take a solid three-star guy and then graduate him as a solid four-star guy because he got the most out of his talent. And, again, that goes back to the accountability piece. That's what you're having now with Mike Leach. They're going to get more out of these guys because they're expecting more from these guys. Rather than making excuses for them, they're saying, listen, here's the standard. Now, I shared with you guys there was a story early on in, when we had the midnight maneuvers, Right. You guys remember Midnight Maneuvers, right? It was the first time for Tyson Brown and his group to have a chance to really get out there and work with the kids. And um, there was a certain player, I won't mention the name because I won't embarrass him, reached out to his coach and said, hey, coach, I need to, need to have a meeting with you. Was, oh, okay, well, what do you want to meet about? Well, I want to talk to you about some of these workouts and Midnight, Midnight Maneuvers we're doing. And the coach texted him back and said, hey, there's no need for us to have a meeting. Either you're in or you're out. You know, that's what you have to have. If you're Mississippi State, you, you think Nick Saban, with all of his national championship rings, is satisfied with where he is, satisfied with what he has? You think Nick Saban's going to coddle these guys and say, well, listen, let me, let me go talk to Coach Brown for you. Let me go talk to the strength and conditioning staff, and maybe we can get you guys a day off. Maybe we can go to water slot or something. i tell you what, why don't we all go to the movies together? Let's just take a day off. Because you guys have had to work a little bit hard. Maybe you got your feelings hurt a little bit. So let's take a day off. That's not how it works. That's not a championship standard. I know that's been kind of a hashtag and a catchphrase around here. That didn't get you to a championship. Yeah, you got to have some fun. you got to have some time off. you got to be able to let guys unwind mentally. But guys want to be coached. Athletes of all genders and all sports, they want to be coached. They want to improve. They want to sharpen their game. And that requires coaching. That requires accountability. That requires a buy-in, which is what we're having. One of the questions that I asked, too, about, uh, was about defense. You know, we've talked so much about offense because that's what you – when you think Mike Leach, that's what you think. Remember, you know, it's like even when Mike Leach is in a press conference, you expect the football to be flying through the air. What we'll talked to him a little bit about defense. You know, asking me, what, what are your thoughts about how things have gone with Zach Arnett and where are we as a defense? Leach's answer, it's been really good because he's really intense. 
He played linebacker and behaves like one, but he's a really smart guy. He brings a lot of intensity, and our players draw from it. That's one thing players love. They love being unleashed. Twist, slants, stunts, and line movement, and also blitzing. He gives you a different look every time. I think it's made our offense better. What he has done has allowed our offensive line to take bigger strides than perhaps they would have otherwise. I think it's been very positive. I guess the quick answer is it has been everything I thought it would be. The funny thing when you talk to him is he kind of hides the ball and how smart he is. He is really, really a smart guy. Uh, That's why he's your defensive coordinator. It's not just because of the fact that he's a, a disciple of Rocky Long, but obviously that endorsement carries a lot of weight with Mike Leach. Mike Leach has said before that Rocky Long, one of the best defensive minds in the game. Rocky's a little long in the tooth now, and so Rocky didn't want to come, so you go get the next best thing. You go get one of Rocky's guys, a guy that played for Rocky and is coached for Rocky. Um, And I think that's an important part of it. You get somebody that has the fundamentals and the attributes that you're looking for as a person, as a coach, and then you let them grow. You give them the room to grow. And that's what Mike Leach has done there. Mike Leach gives his coaches a lot of autonomy. It's one of the first things that I learned you know, talking to some of the assistant coaches, and they'll just tell you, Mike expects you to, to take care of your position. Mike expects you to recruit your guys. Mike expects you to go out there and develop your guys. Mike expects you to coach your guys. He sets the expectation, but he doesn't go out there and just put a, a spoon in every pot. He holds those guys accountable. He holds those coaches accountable for managing their room, managing their personnel group, and, and meeting the expectations that he set for the football team. That's what good leaders do. Good leaders are not micromanagers in that respect. It's incredible how much more you get from people that are your employees when you empower them to make decisions and you empower them to have a sense of control. You know, we don't want a bunch of assistant coaches that are essentially babysitters that all report back you know, the head coach. It's one thing that I'll share, too, and again, I feel like I'm piling on Joe Moorhead today, and I don't mean to. I like Joe Moorhead. It just didn't work out. Joe's a great guy. Uh, but one of the things that there was a lot of, and I don't think a lot of our people realized, is that Joe micromanaged a lot of things. You know, Joe wanted to be involved, and people say, well, he wants to have his, f- his fingerprints on everything. That's not always a good thing, especially when there's too much to do. If, if, if one guy could do it, you wouldn't need this full staff. But there were some things even as small as, okay, so like we go out there at camp, right? And so all the staff has like a, a list of the kids that are at camp that day. You know, and it's like, and it's a list for everybody to kind of know, all those guys, all the coaches to know, hey, this guy is here today. We're recruiting this kid. Here's who we're up against. Or I need to evaluate this kid. This is a guy we're going to meet on later. So there would be a list. And it's just a list. And anybody can make a list, but it's a list. It's just so your coaches kind of know, okay, that's number 58. That's that linebacker we're recruiting, you know, out of South Haven, Mississippi. So I need to go up and say hello to him and say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to be Mississippi State. All these guys, you know, we're recruiting hundreds of kids. You can't expect every one of these coaches to know them on site. But that list has basically been a pretty rudimentary list, you know, for 20 years, as long as I've been coming up here to covering camps. But see, but then when Joe got here, it's like, well, let's change this font here and let's put a bar here and let's shade this. And it's a list that we're throwing away. You know, it's like we begin to major in such minor things and then we begin to minor in major things. It's like, yeah, we got this really detailed list for camp, but yeah, we can't go, go out and get a first down. 
you know, those are things that I think about. Is you, know, you have to focus on what matters most, and we struggled with that. And that's why that's why I am so excited about bringing in a proven coach like Mike Leach with a proven system. Is he didn't need to show up here and then have Rod Gibson and Mason Smith and Brad Peterson tell him how to make out a list for recruiting. Guy already has a proven system in place of things that he wants to get done, and he's getting the job done. So I also asked, and I've had this same concern, and I've seen it pop up on the Facebook groups. I've seen it pop up on jeanspage.com on our True Maroon Forum. If you're not a member, you certainly should be. And so, you know, Steve, hey, listen, if we're repping against the air raid offense every day on defense, what's that mean for our rush defense? And I thought about that too. It's like, you know what, if we're not, if we're not having a balanced offense to face in practice, are we kind of skewing – our defensive prowess more towards the secondary. And listen, those guys need the reps. I'm not suggesting that they don't. But what are we going to do when we line up against LSU and Arkansas and Alabama and they get ready to run the football and we're not prepared for it? And so I asked Mike the question last night. That very thing is, are, are we getting enough reps for run defense? And so here was Mike's answer. I think we're getting towards an adequate amount. We're working against scouts now. We started the scouts this week. In the midst of that, we have an inside period every day. Inside meaning we're going to run football between tackles. Occasionally, we'll have a team run period. Both sides of the ball face the same thing. The ultimate battle in football is you want to go good on good as much as you can, but your top level needs to work on what they're going to do. If you're getting really good scout work and we're headed in that direction, and I don't think we're there yet, We've only been out in three days, but good scout work duplicates it well and makes you contested. But it also will get in a rhythm, but also get in a rhythm and you do what you want to do. You hope the tempo is there with the scouts, and I think the more they get acclimated, the better it gets. If you go good on good like we did last scrimmage, it's kind of like everybody out there swinging axes just to keep their head above water. The guy across from you is crazy good too, and he's also familiar with your plays. It's literally just a war. It's like two guys standing on a line slugging each other. If you go with the scouts, you can get in a nice rhythm, but you'd like to raise the speed in the competition. You're trying to get a happy medium uh, of those things. So that's the answer. And what I take from that is, he goes, yeah, we've worked on, on installation, and now we're getting serious about game prep. Now we're, now we're working against the LSU offense or what we expect LSU to run. And so, yeah, we're going to see a lot more balance in the first-team defense against a scout team than perhaps we saw against the first-team offense because Mike's trying to install the air raid here at Mississippi State. That is still a concern for me. I'm glad that he's addressed it. Of course, he doesn't need my advice on how to run a football team. I guess won a lot of football games. He probably won more football games than you and I have watched. But I think that is something that, that is a, a little bit of a concern going into LSU because I, think, I don't think LSU is going to get anywhere close to the quarterback play they got a year ago. And I think that they're going to rely on running the football a little bit, even though it's a rebuilt offensive line. But when you look at the fact that we were so green in the front seven, if I'm looking at Mississippi State, I'm thinking, okay, listen, we ought to be able to score on this defense. We ought to be able to do pretty much whatever we want to do because we have out-recruited them. And so that'll be awfully interesting uh, to kind of see how it unfolds. But again, good time with Coach Leach. You can go read the transcript in its entirety over on jeanspage.com. Mike Nemitz put that together for us last night. Read exactly what he had to say. And you know what? If you don't have time to read, you don't want to read, or maybe perhaps you just don't like reading, you can watch the video. We've got that over there for you, too. And watch the video in its entirety. Today's top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at MyBookie. You guys should be somewhat familiar with them. They have been with me 
on and off for a long time. Since the infancy of the Boneyard, my bookie has been around. And so because of their loyalty to us, they're passing it on to you. New customers receive a 100% deposit match. That means you double your deposit up to 1000 bucks. Put in 100 bucks, get an extra 100 hours to play with. So right out of the gate, you're playing with some house money. It's still summertime, and at my bookie, that means one thing for you. It's the winning season. Winning season means doubling that first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contest, survivor, and much, much more. At my bookie, a winning season is all about you and your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and so much more. Craziest sports sum of your lifetime is finally here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your own intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with my bookie's live betting option. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BONEYARD and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet on. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Again, promo card code BONEYARD. All right, today's top ten list, a little bit different. Today's list comes from Sumner Davis, Starkville, Mississippi, local Sumner Davis. Looks like one of the Kennedys. If you've ever seen Sumner Davis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He looks like one of the Kennedys. Uh, he's also a uh, volunteer girls soccer coach involved with uh, Starkville soccer here. It's where I first became uh, affiliated with him. Reached out and said, hey, Steve, listen, enjoy the top ten list. Enjoy the rock and roll stuff. Enjoy the variety of the show. How about top ten opening riffs on rock songs? So this was difficult for me. I had to take some time to kind of think about it because I know if I rush through this, there's going to be an obvious one. And even though I took a few days to think about this, I probably missed an obvious one. So opening riffs, and, and listen, there's a bunch of Led Zeppelin stuff that I love right out of the gate, but a lot of it begins, you know, with John Bonham. A lot of it, like, when I think Led Zeppelin, like, to me, Stairway to Heaven is, the, is one of the greatest songs ever written. But I don't think, you know, opening up with that acoustic guitar of Jimmy Page kind of pulls me in like some of these other riffs do. And then I think Rock and Roll, which uh, is, you know, one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. You know, that all starts with John Bonham just coming in fast and hard. And so there's not a lot of Led Zeppelin on the list. I tried to pick one from one band, even though there is one artist that's here twice, kind of on technicality. But here are my favorite opening riffs from what I believe are some of the greatest, greatest rock songs of all time. Here are some honorable mentions that didn't make the list, and uh, maybe if you're not familiar with these, you go look them up. Uh, I did have a Motley song on here, Looks to Kill from Motley Crue. I think that opening riff is, is just absolutely killer. Lay It Down from Rat. I almost feel somewhat ashamed of myself not having Rat and Warren D. Martini in the top ten. But uh, to me, Lay It Down, You're in Love, all those are great. Um, shame, Shame, Shame's another one. Aerosmith's Walk This Way, I think that's uh, you know an iconic riff. I, I am not a fan of The Who, but I do like the opening riff from Pete, Sa- Pete Townsend on I Can't Explain. I am a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. I tried to, I almost went with Bulls on Parade. I almost went with People to Sign, but I went with Killing the Name. That was voted England's favorite Christmas song a few years ago. How about that? Crazy. Uh, going back a few years, T-Rex's Get It On. Love that one. You should too. 
And, uh, yeah, the Power Station with Robert Palmer did a great version of that. But I, I really dig the original. Uh, let's see here. Iron Maiden, Wasted Years. And you could go a lot of different ways with Maiden, but I, I think the opening riff from Wasted Years, that's the one that kind of gets me going. And then Kiss of Death from Dokken. George Lynch, I've met George. He's the, probably the most unassuming rock star in the history of the world. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I could pick a lot of George Lynch stuff. I think George Lynch is underappreciated as an 80s guitarist. Uh, you can even go to the, the Wicked Sensation album with Lynch Mob. It's tremendous. Love that album. One of my favorite albums of all time. But uh, George Lynch wanted to make sure he got a mention. But here's the top ten list. There's some classic rock in here and probably some rock that maybe you're not quite as familiar with. But I think, by and large, everybody knows all these songs. Number ten for me, China Grove from the Doobie Brothers. That's one of those ones. I liked it so much when I was in the radio business that uh, we used to do like a classic rock hour uh, for lunch. 
and I loved China Grove so much. That was like our bed music. We we kind of distorted it a little bit. But China Grove, Doobie Brothers, great opening riff there. Number nine, kind of stepping out of the rock world a little bit and going into a little bit in the top 40, it's When Doves Cry by Prince. I think as soon as you hear that opening riff from Prince, you know exactly who you're listening to. You know exactly what song it is. It is a classic song. Could be the Prince song. But Prince also underappreciated as a guitar player. If you go, I mean... Go back and listen to the stuff he did, like on the look. I mean, it's it's incredible to think how talented he was as a musician, not just as a singer songwriter. No guitar category would be complete without Eddie Van Halen. I could have gone a different direction here, but I went with Unchained off the Mean Street album. I love the opening riff to Unchained. I know exactly what I'm listening to. I think it's one of those things too. It just it just kind of starts with a guitar, and everybody kind of joins in. Unchained, one of the best Van Halen songs. Number seven, most of you guys know this because you watch wrestling, but it's Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. And I know that Steve Ray Vaughan did a great version of it too, but uh, you got to go back to the just the way that he makes that guitar whine. It's just incredible. Love Voodoo Child. I, and a lot of people are all hung up on Purple Haze and that sort of stuff. I, I don't know. Voodoo Child is one of my favorite Hendrix songs without question. All right, number six, another one of those classic riffs is Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Again, from the very beginning, uh, Tommy Almy just lets it go, and next thing you know, you're on, you're on a, a ride. You're, it's, it's such a great song. I listened to it this morning while I was putting a list together. Number five, and I could have gone, I went with Angus Young here of ACDC. Man, there are so many different ones I could have gone with here because there are so many great ACDC songs that just kind of start where Angus keys them in. You know, for those about to rock is one that I, do, I think, man, are Back in Black. There's there's so many iconic riffs. And I'll be honest with you, Back in Black is one of those ones, too. That I love the song, but I think in many ways it's overplayed. Because Steve, how could you say that? I know it's sacrilege. But I went with Thunderstruck. I love the intro to Thunderstruck. I think that um, it's one of those ones. I think that's one of the reasons it's so anthemic. They play it at ball games because it gets people on their feet. Number four. Richie Blackmore. Richie Blackmore, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Smoke on the Water from Deep Purple. You could make an argument that might be the greatest opening riff of all time. I didn't. I've got it number four. But uh, I wanted to pay homage to Richie, and you know he did some work in Rainbow. And, and uh, w- one of my favorite songs that nobody ever talks about from Rainbow is Man of the Silver Mountain. And I'm a huge Ronnie James Dio fan, but if you, there are several live clips of that on YouTube of the original Rainbow playing Man in the Silver Mountain, and it will absolutely knock your socks off. Number three, not a huge Metallica fan, but I went with Inner Sandman. I could have gone with a, a bunch of them, but I think that's one of those iconic riffs you just kind of know. And I, I know there's a guitar intro that starts it, but then once they get cranked up, you know exactly what you're listening to. Number two, I could have made this number one, and I almost did. Number two for me is Crazy Train. And I told you I had a technicality. That's right. I got Ozzy in here with Black Sabbath and as a solo artist. But uh, Randy Rhodes, Crazy Train, It's again, it's one of those songs, like as soon as you hear it, it's like you know that the next four minutes of your life are going to be really good. And again, I, I still contend that Jakey Lee years were the best Ozzy years. I mean, that's just, the, the songs were just better. I'm just telling you. And I, I, that's just Ozzy found his groove, or Sharon fire, found the found the right, right songwriters. But I think Jackie Lee does not get enough credit 
for really the heyday of Ozzy Osbourne in the mid-80s because Jakey Lee wrote a lot of those songs, Bark at the Moon, Ultimate Sin, Killer of Giants, uh, Shot in the Dark, all those written by Jakey Lee. And number one is uh, Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. I could have gone jungle here, but I think, you know what, when you think about opening riffs, you've got Slash just kind of hammering down there by himself, kind of soloing to open the story, and it, it just can carry you out the song. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of messages saying, Steve, how could you have left this off? How could you not have done Carry On My Wayward Son? How, you know, It's going to be so much of that. You know what? I couldn't get them all. I couldn't get them all. But that's my list. You can have your own list. Your list would be wrong. But uh, if you have a suggestion for the top ten list, please reach out let me know. You may not be as handsome or debonair as one Sumner Davis, but uh, your vote and voice still counts. Speaking of still counting, our friends at DraftKings, they're here to help you make a little cash. Uh, happy to have them back with us too. As you guys are well aware, you can go download that DraftKings app because I know. Listen, if you're like me, I can't commit to a season of fantasy football. I can't. I just don't have time to keep up with it. And so, if you want to play in small doses and then have a chance to win big, DraftKings is the way to go for you. It's great that we've got football again, and maybe you want to put some skin in a game. So, draft your lineup. Go and download the DraftKings app, and then draft your lineup, and then you you will be keeping up with every game just because of the fact it adds some intrigue to everything. Every run, pass, and catch means even more with your DraftKings app. It's simple. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars. DraftKings has paid out billions to winners since 2012, so they know a thing about cold hard cash, and you should too. Again, download the DraftKings app right now and use promo code BONEYARD for a limited time, new, u- new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on week two action in your promo code Boneyard to get a free shot at millions of bucks in prizes with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code Boneyard. Only get the DraftKings app. Be sure to make it rain. There is a minimum of $5 deposit required, and your eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com for further details. All right, so let's get into a couple other things before we get out of here. I promised you guys we'd go a little bit longer today since I shorted you 10 minutes, and I'll do my best to get you the 10 bonus minutes. So earlier this week, I did, uh, you know, we do the bones. We do, uh, over at Gene's page, I do chat um, usually about four nights a week. Now that football season started, I've kind of wanted to watch a little football. And I'll be honest with you, last night I was just kind of worn down. Went to bed early. Would have gone earlier. I was waiting for some video to upload of Mike Leach's press conference, but um, it took a little time. So I was a little bit later going to bed than I wanted to be, but I still went to bed early, got up early, feel better today. But, yeah, we get together and we chat, and I answer your questions. Uh, you can go into Gene's Page chat room and, uh, you know, fire away from 10 to 10.30, you know, generally four nights a week. And uh, so we had a chat session earlier this week, and I talked about the 2022 recruiting class in the state of Mississippi. You guys have heard me talk many times about – I don't think it's a great year in state this year, and it's not. Yeah, we have a few headliners, and that's what people always, oh, my gosh, Steve, how could you say that? This class really lacks some depth, and it's not just because of a lack of evaluation. Okay, that's, there's always some names that will pop up, but, I mean, how many of them are there? I mean, how many of those guys, usually when guys come to camp, we kind of have an idea who they are, but there's always one or two that kind of jump out at camp and you think, man, this kid can really play. That said, I think one of the reasons that it's a thin year in state is because it is a thin year in state. You know, these college coaches do a great job, and not just our coaches, but other coaches throughout the region, 
they do a great job of finding these players. And you can only hide for so long. You know, now that we're in the season, and now that everybody has all of these uh, quality control analysts and all these recruiting staffers, you know, people are pouring over this film. So there'll be some diamonds in a rough that'll be identified, and there'll be some guys probably really good more G5 than they do Power 5. But it's not a great year in state. We have some great players, but this is not a great class because there's just not a lot of depth in the class. It's much different with 2022. It's much different. I mean, there's probably You could probably already put together a identity dozen list and probably be right. I mean, there are so many guys that have kind of jumped to the forefront, and that's the question you ask yourself. Is it really a lack of evaluation or is it a lack of talent? Because if there, we've got so many 2022 guys already racking up new offers – and making names for themselves and already joining the conversation, you know, the same people evaluating them are the same ones evaluating the 2021 kids. So tape is being reviewed. The bottom line is, is it's just not the year that we had, had hoped it would be. Uh, but we kind of forecasted and kind of knew that it was going to be a thinner year this year. But 2022, man, one of the best things that I like about this group already is I don't have to talk myself into liking these kids. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes they're guys you really like them and you want them to be good. You think, man, this is a great kid, comes from a good program, another coach. I really want him to be good. I want him to be a good student. I want him to be fast. I want him to get good measurables. I want him to put up big numbers. And then there are some guys out there that you look at and say, well, you know, he, he might be a half step slow and he might be two inches a little bit too small. He might be kind of narrowly framed. And then eventually you realize, well, this is a G5 guy. He's not an SEC guy. That's not the case with a lot of these headliners in 2022. You got Jaheim Otis from my home high school, Columbia, Mississippi. You see this kid. We've been seeing him for two years coming to Mississippi State's camp. I mean, the first time that I saw him, he was a ninth grader. He said, are you kidding me? That kid's in the ninth grade? So he has been a known commodity. They're kind of rising up the ranks, you know, throughout his high school career. And when you look at him, you say, that kid is a bona fide SEC defensive tackle. There is no question. You don't have to talk yourself into it. You don't have to say, well, you know, maybe if he gains 20 pounds or, you know, maybe if he grows two inches. No. You look at this kid and you say, you know what, he's game ready right now. You could probably put him out there and let him play as a two-deeper in the SEC right now. Kid's a star. You could make some of the similar claims for Xavier Harris out of Germantown. I don't think he's quite the player – that Jaheim is, but he is a bona fide interior defensive lineman that's going to play in the SEC. And there's no question about it. I mean, it's like you see it and you think, yep, that's a guy. He's a dude. Really excited about him. And you look at this defensive line class instead of Mississippi and you, 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 you pick through it, you pick through it, you pick through it, you pick through it, and you say, okay, well, then there's Ty Cooper. And Ty's a really solid three-star kid. But I don't know that he is uh, you know, an All-American candidate. I think Jaheim Otis and potentially Xavier Dixon are going to have a chance to play uh, in these uh, All-Star games. I think both of them will have an opportunity uh, to do some really cool things because of the fact that, number one, they play a position of need and a position of luxury at defensive tackle. There are not a lot of those guys, and everybody needs the tackles. And there just aren't as many of them. There's a ton of receivers and corners, tons of them. But there's not always guys that can play interior defensive line. Just kind of how it is. 
And so you know they're going to rack up a ton of offers. They already have. You know, LSU and those guys are already in the mix with them. You know, but when I begin to look at these uh, – and, and I said Xavier Dixon. I apologize. It's Xavier Harris. I feel like a complete clown now. It's Xavier Harris. My apologies to the Germantown uh, Mavericks down there. My apologies. I had to pull up my list there. Second-guessing myself a little bit. But that doesn't diminish his talent in his way. We're, we're just kind of getting to know these kids, too. Mississippi State baseball commitment, Stone Blanton, currently rated as a top linebacker in the class Mississippi at MRA. I firmly believe that he is going to sign a football scholarship and then try attempt to play baseball as well. But I think he's certainly a two-sport star. He's already added a ton of offers, of course. And, I, and he's a Mississippi State kid, comes from a Mississippi State family, but he is going to have a decision to make. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be a lot of people on Stone Blanton, and there already have been. I mean, you know, he's already approaching 20 offers now. Got Arkansas, Baylor, Duke, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, many others. He's going to have a difficult decision to make. I still like Mississippi State's chances with him. And I like the fact when, when guys grow up Bulldog fans, they get a chance to play at Mississippi State. Top receiver in the state right now, Larry Simmons out of West out of Moss Point, pardon me. Another guy that's picked up some early offers from Mississippi State and many others. But, again, he's another guy I don't have to talk myself into liking because you can just turn the film on. You think, yep, kid can play. That kid can really play. I don't have to go out there and question the level of competition. I don't have to go out there and wonder how big he is. I can just turn the tape on and say, you know what, this kid catches the ball and it runs away from everybody else. That's what an SEC player should do. That's what an SEC player should do. If you like, I used to always tell myself, if I used to bring my oldest son with me, we would go on the road sometimes, and he would go to high school games with me. And I wouldn't tell them who we were there to see. But by the end of the night, I would ask him, I'd say, hey, who, who do you think we're here to see? And, and he, even though he was you know, just a younger kid, if he couldn't tell, the chances are the guy wasn't an SEC guy. You know what I'm saying? And because the SEC guys jump off the field, especially in the high school ranks. And listen, there are some guys playing 6A football, and they're, they're going to play comparable competition. They're going to be up competing against other prospects. But if I go to a 3- and 4-A football game to see an SEC guy, he needs to take over the game. He needs to take over the game. If not, he might not be an SEC guy. You know, there are a lot of guys out there that uh, you know, you're, you're kind of recruiting them on potential rather than production. But there still should be some flashes to show that they can handle the competition. They can handle the big moment. That's what you get uh, with Larry Simmons. And listen, Moss Point hadn't been a great football team the last few years. Used to, you know, Moss Point was kind of a football factory down there. I mean, it turned out great players on an annual basis. But Larry Simmons is legit. You turn that film on, you watch him yourself, you see exactly what I'm talking about. I like the fact, too, that we have some offensive linemen, again, that look the part. Carter Edwards out of Press Christian in Hattiesburg and Bryson Hurst out of Gauthier. You know, these guys look like SEC linemen. And that's one of the things that always kind of boggles the mind a little bit. You know, Mississippi's first in obesity, and you think, you know, yeah, we do produce some D tackles. But, uh, you know, why do we struggle sometimes producing offensive tackles? And so it's nice to see some bona fide guys with some objective measurables, and you begin to think, okay, yep, I don't need this kid to grow. I may need him to fill out his frame a little bit, but this is a bona fide SEC offensive lineman. And there's probably a handful of those guys right now on first blush you look at and say, you know what, 
we're not going to have to get, go too far from home to begin to kind of fill our needs on the offensive line because we've got some guys right here at home. This year it's much different instead of Mississippi. you got a bunch of G5 kids this year. You know, but I think Mississippi State has the best two offensive linemen for 2021 already committed in uh, Mikael and Pounders out of Bahelia and Gabe Cavazos out of uh, Lake Homerant. And so next year I don't think we have to look quite as hard because I think there's going to be a handful of those kids and I think we're going to have a chance to open things up and have, you know, a good chance to be able to get some in-person eval and have kids in camp. And, and for positions like linemen, it's important to do that because only so much you can tell from film. Unless you're getting film from the end zone, sometimes you don't see if they sustain your blocks or get to the second level because videographers that shoot from you know, the press box, they're following the football. And so once a quarterback gets it out, you know, you know the linemen are out of the view of the camera. But, uh, but I like what we're seeing in Mississippi. And you know what? I love these running backs. I do. I love these running backs. Omar Johnson, also a Columbia High School Wildcat, recently picked up an offer from Mississippi State. He just uploaded some 2020 film. Love this kid. Love his game. He rushed for over 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns last year as a number two to Kentrell Bullock and signed with Ole Miss. And Columbia High School went 13-1 last year and lost in the South State Championship to Jeff Davis, who won it all. Coach Mancuso runs a great program down there. But, man, I tell you what, Chilt Builderback is doing a great job at Columbia. And as an alum, I'm, I'm here to see it. I'm happy to see it. But Omar Johnson is a stud. Omar Johnson might be the guy in the end. You look back and say, you know what, who's the guy that took the biggest leap forward? Omar Johnson. But remember, as a sophomore, as a sophomore, as a number two, ran for 1,200 yards. I think this kid has the potential to be the best back in the state. The guy that he's competing the most with is Branson Robinson out of Germantown. Another explosive player. And so I think in many ways this could boil down kind of like a Cam Makers Colin Hill year where you've got two big-time players probably not going to go to the same school, could see State and Ole Miss split these guys. But, man, it's so great to have some big-time backs in the state again. We've got a couple guys this year. You know, Maureen Howard's one and going to win some games this year at Starville High School. But I, to be honest with you, as much as I like Amari and Howard, you know, he's a bit of a one-cut runner. I don't know if he's quite as dynamic as the, as the juniors. I think the juniors may prove to be a little more dynamic. But I love the fact that we've got some offensive skill. And, again, you look at the film, you look at Branson Robinson, you look at Omar Johnson, you don't have to talk yourself into it. You just watch the film and say, yep, that kid can play. Yep, he can play. And I'll be out and going and seeing these guys, uh, you know, between now and the end of the season, and we'll get some highlights and put up on Gene's page and have some fresh pictures. But what excites me is when we start seeing the juniors kind of emerge, when we start identifying the pieces. That's the fun part for me. You know, and other people want to see the puzzle come together. I want to identify the pieces. I love, that's what excites me because when you talk to these juniors, they're so excited. They're so excited because, you know what, I'm getting a chance to play college football. What, people want to interview me? What, there's a guy here taking my picture? What's happening? Yeah, their dreams coming true. You get a little deeper in the process when they're, when they're seniors. The guys are kind of over it. You know what I'm saying? They don't answer the phone as regularly. and you know They're kind of tired of the process. And, and listen, they can't get out and go take visits right now anyway. And so it's like it's the same old thing. But with these juniors, it's all new to them. And that's exciting. And it's exciting, too, that Mississippi State's doing a good job identifying these in-state juniors and extending offers. And, again, Xavier Harris, I'm very sorry. Very, very sorry. 
I tell you where you won't be sorry, that's Campus Bookmark. You won't be sorry you went there. You won't be sorry you visit them online because they are a quality organization that carries quality products at great pricing and will give you exemplary service. Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show. Stan, the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. An institution right off campus. Many of you got your textbooks from Campus Bookmark when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your home, your family, your RV, your office, whatever you need. You need, you need gifts for your pets or your grandkids or anybody else. You can find it at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And again, if we got to wear these masks, you might as well wear something that represents you. They have the Mississippi State mask in spades. You've got several different styles to choose from. They can get them out to you today. Again, visit them, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. I read an article earlier this week because I had been informed that the um, NCAA Division I Council was going to extend the dead period. It's been in place since the pandemic started. They were going to extend it through October 31st at a minimum. Well, they have now extended it through the remainder of the calendar year. Probably the right decision so we don't have this going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now any update is good news. You know, rather than thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll be able to take a visit in November. Okay, so no visits, no in-person visits on or off campus for college football recruits and recruiters for 2020. So now your kids, your recruits, are going to have to make a decision. Many of them never stepping foot on a campus that they're going to sign with. And listen, I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you have ever dropped off a kid at college, if you have ever taken college trips with your child, you know how important that visit is. And it's not just about sitting with coaches. It's all, a lot of times it's just kind of getting a lay of the land. And as a parent, you want to go and say, okay, where's my, where are they going to be sleeping? Where are they going to be eating? What's the safety protocol? You know, forget all the football facilities and that sort of stuff. They're normal kids that have to make these same decisions. And there's a lot to all of that. I spent many college days with my daughters going and visiting campuses. I did the same thing with my oldest who played college baseball. And, and it, it, there's a lot of memories made from that, but uh, I don't want to get caught up in the nostalgia of it all. But the bottom line is that um, we're asking these young men and women to make decisions now with less information than they've ever had. And yet college recruiters are doing the best they can. But, you know, there's just something special about being able to walk on the campus and say, okay, this is where it's all going to happen. This is where it is, and just kind of get a feel for the place. If you're like me, I mean, I'm a big guy when it comes to vibes, whether it be people or places or events or experiences. You know, there's there's some people in some places you go, you just get a good vibe, man. You say, this is home. This is where I need to be. And I don't know, you know, that you get that, you know, when when you don't get a chance to take the trip. And it's one thing like Gabe Cavazos did. Gabe and his family got in the car, left Lake Cormorant, spent the afternoon in Starkville and uh, he was sold because you know what he wanted to stay closer to home he wanted a chance to play big time football walked around the campus didn't even get to go in the stadium just kind of saw it from a distance kind of went up there and looked through the gate but the bottom line is is that uh, he got a feel for the place what do you do though for these kids that are you know across the country that maybe don't have the ability to just go jump in a car and drive to go visit Mississippi State 
we're still going to have the December signing period. I was against that, as you guys know. But I'm all about choice for student-athletes. If a student-athlete believes they are ready to sign in December, then I think they should have the ability to do so. Because I think anything that we do, whether it be NCAA legislation or any protocols about recruiting restrictions, everything should be with the student-athlete's well-being and interest first and foremost. And so if they want to avoid those last few weeks of recruiting and go ahead and sign in December, like Gabe Cabasa is a good example. In-state kid, real close with his family, doesn't want to go anywhere else. You know what, let, let that kid sign in December and have it over with. I'm okay with that. But I think, again, there's going to be a lot of kids that make mistakes. There are going to be a lot of people that say, you know what, I better go ahead and sign in December because they're going to put my offer if I don't. There'll be a lot of pressure to sign in December. And there are going to be other guys that say, you know what, I'm just going to wait it out and see, okay, maybe we can take visits in January. I, I would not bet on that. I would not expect that. Because if we're going to have the dead period all the way through December 31st, and then all of a sudden they say, well, all these other kids signed without taking visits, what's the, what's the, why should we open it up for the remainder of the talent pool? So I, I, I think if you're a recruit – you just kind of go ahead and prepare for the fact that you're going to have to make a college decision without being able to take your visits. How does that impact Mississippi State's chances with some of these kids? Well, I wrote about Deion Smith today over on Gene's page as part of the Maroon Friday Bones. You know, I think the fact that he's not going to be able to take visits probably, probably makes it more likely that he sticks with LSU. You know, because I think if you're Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and I know Ole Miss is trying desperately to get into that situation a lot, a lot more than they have been, but people forget, Deion Smith has always had the ability to commit to Ole Miss, but he hadn't done it. So why, why would his feelings about Ole Miss and the direction of that program change just because he went to Jackson Academy? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Come on, don't, don't kid me with that. But I think if you're state or Ole Miss, you really need the benefit of that bump that you get from an official visit. You need him to be able to be on your campus and interact with your players and have a good time and go out and party and have a good time. Because I think, you know, you have to kind of sell yourself. Well, now, you know, if you can't do that, there's only so much you can do on Zoom. You can't bring that guy on campus and let him get a feel for how your players live away from the complex. I think it hurts your chances to flip that guy. Oh, and sure, I mean, listen, and, and I'm just not talking about Deion Smith. There are going to be people out there that are going to be trying to do unscrupulous things. It's because there are some people that do their best work during the dead period. You wouldn't know it this year because we've had an extended dead period. But uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, that want to give their school an, an added advantage when it comes to recruiting. And as I said many times, if fans have to be involved with recruiting, then the college coaches are, aren't worth much. They must not be very good recruiters if they have to enlist the help of alums and boosters and that sort of stuff. But um, – but be that as it may, I think there are a bunch of guys that made reservations early on to be sure they had something, may end up having to stick with that because I don't think there's going to be enough out there for a lot of these schools to be able to really kind of sway kids because there are a lot of guys out there too, and you and I both know this, you know, this quarantine and this virus has taught most of us really how important being close to family is. And so I think a lot of those young people, especially when they sit down and talk to their parents, think, you know what, I, I don't want to be off somewhere far. You know, and, and listen, there's some of our kids that live in Mississippi, you know, and I was one of them. I mean, I growing up in, in Columbia, you know, really, it, you know, anything north of Jackson, more than about 30 minutes, felt like a foreign country. 
you know, you just didn't want to get out and go anywhere. I mean, it's just, you know, you wanted to stay close to your family. You wanted, you know, you wanted your grandparents and your parents to be able to come participate. But also, too, you wanted to be an active participant in their lives. You know, I've got some friends. I spoke with a good friend earlier this week, and I was like, you know, you guys can't have a family event without having a photo shoot. And I said, you know what? There's going to come a day when those pictures are all that I have. And I thought, you know what? That's true. And I, I kind of wish I lived my life a little more like that sometimes, too. You know, but the reality of it is, is that uh, there are a lot of kids I think are going to stay closer to home because of the premium being placed on family because of our collective experience this year. I think it's important to kind of understand that there are going to be a lot of guys. I think that in the beginning, people said, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to California. And I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I don't want to go to California. Maybe I want to stay home, be close to friends and family. And, you know, what, what do I do if I go to California and all of a sudden, you know, my mom gets sick and has to go in the hospital. Well, yeah, there's the opportunity fund that will help cover some of that, but there's still a lot that goes into that. It's not as simple as, hey, let me jump in the car and drive home 90 minutes. You know, the proximity to family is a big deal. And it's so funny, too. I mentioned those juniors earlier. You know, when you, when you first start interviewing juniors, you say, well, you know, are there any geographic limitations? Are you a guy that wants to stay close? No, I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere in the world to play football. And then the first thing they say when they make their commitment is say, well, you know, I love the coaching staff and it was close to home. Because the reality sets in. You know, it's one of those things when you first begin the process, you think, you know what, I, I'm so desperate to play college football, I will go anywhere. I know my old son, you know, the first school that offered him a scholarship to play baseball was this, uh, you know, small Christian school in McPherson, Kansas. And listen, when that was the only option, you begin to think, okay, how far is that from home? How quickly could we get there? And you start thinking, you know, what it's his dream to play college baseball. If this is the only opportunity we have, we're going to take it. And, you know, it didn't work out. We ended up being able to go to junior college and get some other opportunities and uh, end up playing at Williams Baptist College in Arkansas, which is a great experience. That's the William Carey of, of Arkansas. We had a great time there, met his wife there, and now we have a grandchild as a result of that union. But, um, you know, but again – even though he didn't want to stay resident, you know, close to home, he wanted to go play baseball. And then, you know, we ended up using that as the the impetus to move to Starkville. This is where I always wanted to be anyway. And so, if he's going to be up there, then uh, let's move closer to him. Let's take this opportunity. And so, there are not a lot of people that, that, that get to do that or have the wherewithal to go do that. A lot of people are just kind of happy with their lives as they are. But I think when you begin to look at the totality of all this and all the restrictions are being placed, there's going to be a ton of transfers. There's going to be a lot of people that make bad decisions. There are going to be a lot of people, and when you think about you know, the Mississippi states of the world, you know, and it's not just in football, but it's in softball and women's basketball and everything else. Listen, there are a lot of people that have a negative appearance, or pardon me, a negative opinion about Mississippi State until they get here, and they think, man, Mississippi State is nice. How many times did we hear that during the Dan Mullen, the early years of the Dan Mullen era? Man, if we could just get them to campus, and then when the kids came, they're like, man, this is great. Oh, they built this new football complex. Look what they look at this weight room. My goodness. Look at the stadium expansion. You don't know until you get a chance to take the visit. You know, Mississippi State isn't a place that necessarily sells itself to out-of-state players. You've got to have some resources and you've got to have the chance to interact with them on your campus. And you could make the argument sometimes women's basketball, you know, we have played at such a high level that, you know, Vic Schaefer did such a good job elevating the program that they see opportunity here. But still, Vic would tell you, you needed to get them here. Let them see 
you know, our practice facility. Let them see the hump. Let them see our campus. Let them see the dorms and that sort of stuff. It's a different deal. Once they get here and they realize, okay, it's not just a bunch of pastures and, you know, a bunch of people walking around in overalls. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But there are a lot of people that they think, oh, Mississippi, and they think, well, it's going to be, it's going to be rural. It's not going to be good. There's not going to be any place to eat. You know, and then they get here and they think, man, this is a great little college town. I think it's the greatest college town. I love living here. I'll share with you a couple things happened recently. I'll get out of here. But, uh, you know, one of the things I love about Starkville is not just Mississippi State. I love Mississippi State. And I love being here and being close to state and being able to be involved with everything. I think it's great. But the other day I went to uh, went to a local place, and there's nothing more country, I think, than getting a plate lunch from a gas station. I went to go get me one, go and get some hamburger steak. I'm getting ready to walk in, and there's an older black gentleman that uh, I'm getting ready to walk in, and, and he opens the door for me. Like, he backs out the door, and he goes, hey, go ahead in. That way you don't have to touch the handle. You know, when you get ready to open the door, you know, you got to touch it. I don't know how many thousands of people have touched it. I don't know if they've washed their hands, and these days you can't be too careful. But that meant a lot to me. I thought, this, is, this man doesn't know me. We don't have a relationship. But he begins to think, hey, l- let me get the door for you so you don't have to grab the handle so I don't get sick and bring it home to my family. It's, it's a small gesture, but I thought when he said that, it just went all over me. I get chill saying it now. This is, me, this is my local resident. This is my neighbor that's looking out for me. And so I get in line, and I'm waiting, and the line's moving along pretty good there. And, and uh, I was kind of deciding what sides I wanted. I said, yeah, I really would like to get black-eyed peas. But man, the other day I got them, and man, they were so salty. I felt like I was at the beach, you know. And then she just takes it upon herself to say, you know what, hey, they think, they think they're okay today. Let's give them another shot. And then she gives me an extra piece of hamburger steak and doesn't, doesn't charge me for it. Because that's the charm of a small town. Those are my neighbors. These are my people. And so when people talk negatively about Starkville, I do take it a little bit personal. But I also think to myself that I kind of feel sorry for you guys because you don't know how special this place is. You don't know that I'll have a complete stranger open the door for me so I won't have to touch the handle. You don't know that the lady behind the, behind the, uh, the cafeteria serving line will give me an extra piece of meat just because I got some bad black-eyed peas last time. That seems like a small thing. Man, that's everything. That is absolutely everything. Because here in Starkville, we have a great community. We don't always agree. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world than Starkville, Mississippi. And I think many of you feel the same way. I don't want too many of you to come up here because I don't want the line to get too long when it's time for me to get a plate lunch. This is a wonderful place, with or without Mississippi State. And I didn't know that until I moved here, how great the people of Starkville are. And I'm so proud to be a member of the Starkville community. That's going to do it for today. I hope that you guys, if you haven't done so, will go to alphadogsthebook.com. Guys, we're just about 10 days out from those books being here, and then we'll sign them and get them in the mail to you. And uh, you can continue to order that. And you can get Flim Flam, you get Stark Villains, you get Alpha Dogs, all at the same website, alphadogsthebook.com. You can go find your Stark Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com. We sold a few shirts, done a pretty good job there. It's about to be hoodie weather. Go ahead and treat yourself and your kids to some Stark Villains hoodies, and you can get those if you live locally. You can get them in your team colors. How about that? You go to SA or go to Starkville High, you can get them in your school colors. Say Stark Villain, which is outstanding. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.